Acts chapter 13. We are going to continue in our study that we've been doing here in Acts, and it's more of a doctrinal study here tonight like it was last week, but that's okay. We need good doctrine. You know that Baptist churches are built on doctrine. They are different from other churches um, in that sense because Baptists have a well first of all let me just say this to you Baptists have a duty they have they moreover they have a responsibility th- to teach their principles and i think it was jm pendleton and a few others of those uh, and john broadus i think it was that said that he said that Baptists have a responsibility to teach people their principles why they, why they hold to what they do you know out of all the other churches that are out there in this world today if you find a bible believing baptist church they will be able to tell you why they believe what the, what they believe and why they believe it. And I, I think, and let me say this to you, you ought to be able to tell people what you believe and why you believe it. You ought to be able to do that as children of God. You and I, it is our duty, it is our responsibility to be able to tell people that. Amen. We ought to be able to tell people why we believe what we believe. Right? And like we sang that song, the Bible, right? The Bible stands, right? We need to sing more songs like that about the Bible, amen? Because that's the truth. That's absolute 100% truth right there that the Bible stands, amen? Now, there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Manan, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Father, Lord, please help us as we continue to talk about this. As tonight we look at uh, God called and church ordained. What the scriptures say. Lord, help us to just learn that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to take some time possibly next week. and I want to I want to talk about this this a portion of this verse as they ministered to the Lord and fasted the Holy Ghost said I want to talk to you about the ministry of the Holy Spirit His person and work I think it's good that we that we go back to those things and we understand good sound and solid doctrine it is so very important and uh, we need to understand the doctrine of the Holy Spirit the person and work of the Holy Spirit Amen so we're going to talk about that next week. I believe that's important. We'll kind of just take that portion of the scripture and we're going to talk because the Holy Ghost is a person. Amen. And he is God. And we'll talk about that next week for sure. We'll, we'll get into that. Amen. But as we continue on last week, we talked about a number of different things. We kind of broke down a few different things about the call that these men had, about how men are called and how God calls those men. And the church ordains, or you could say recognizes them as well. There's nothing wrong with that word that describes that. Um, But uh, I, I do believe that a man is called. I believe he's ordained by God. I believe he's called by God. And then I, I, I believe that he's recognized by that local New Testament church. And that's where we're different than a lot of places. See, we don't believe in, in college ordained. We don't believe in Bible college ordained, and, and we don't believe in, in metropolitanite churches uh, that are big mega churches that control all the other churches and that you have to have them in order to do something or anything like that. We don't follow those things. We don't follow the Roman Catholic diocese and the systems that are out there and all of those groups. In fact, you know, being Baptist, 
we really don't care what other churches think about what we do. We really don't. Now we we love other churches and we're not we don't hate them or anything like that, but we're we're we don't really care. I've had pastors try to come and get into the business of this church before and decisions that we made about about um you know, disciplinary actions and different things like that. And I'm not talking about a pastor that somebody was going to that church and they tried to talk about it. No, that's different. I'm talking about somebody that had no business being at anything and just tried to insert themselves into another church's business as if they could have a say in the discipline that that church does. Well, one thing that you have to understand about Baptists is, is that we, number one, we don't, we don't go for that. We don't, we don't like that. Why don't we like that? Because Baptist churches are designed by God to be fiercely independent of other ter- churches, right? Autonomous, which we talked about when we covered that in Baptist history. So that, that's just something that, that, that we understand. We understand that we, we believe that everything ought to go through the local New Testament church. I don't really, I'm not really for ministries that aren't part of a local New Testament church. I really don't. I really don't. And I mean, when I say part of them, I mean that that pastor actually knows what's going on. I don't mean that it's like that. And we'll get into that a little bit tonight. But I don't mean like they just they're a member of a church and they have their own private ministry doing whatever they want. See, I've seen that. That's not good either. That's not God's way of doing things. I've been around people like that, and that's not the way God does it. God uses his church. We believe that. Look, if I didn't believe that, I'm telling you, I wouldn't be here tonight. If I didn't believe that, this is not a job to me. I, I don't, I don't, this isn't my job. Okay. This is my life. This is, this is what, that's what it means to be God called. This is not my job. So oh, you must do this for money. If I didn't get paid anything, I'd still do what God has me to do. I don't have a salary. I don't have a guaranteed wage. I don't have, I God takes care of me and he uses you to do it. He uses others to do it. I thank God for that. But I don't have some written contract somewhere of what you're supposed to give me every month or what's supposed to happen every month or whatever the case may be, right? We don't do that. Why don't we do that? Because it's not a job. It's not. It's a calling of God. And God has an order of how he said to do things. He has an order of how he said to do things. Right. So anyway, so, so we believe that things, that, that everything is to be done through God's church. And I think that's an important print. That's it. By the way, that's a Baptist principle. You will not see that in other groups. You will not see that. I promise you, you will not. You won't. Why? Because they believe a different doctrine about the church. So they don't do that. Right? They don't do that. They just don't, because they don't believe the same doctrine that we do about that, about what the scriptures say, that the Bible is the authority. But let's move on here tonight, and let's talk about this. These men that were called, these men that were separated, they they were busy about the Lord's work. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, it says, the Holy Ghost said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereinto I have called them to do. By the way, God does not call lazy men. I mean that. What I mean, I, I, God does not call men that aren't hard workers. If you, you know, the saying goes, if you, if you want something done, ask a busy man to do it. Because they're the ones that get it done. They are. They are the ones that, that, that will get the work done. Even though they're swamped busy, they'll get the work done. 
that's that's God when He deals with men, they they're not to be lazy. They're not to be a sluggard. The Bible reproves that in the Book of Proverbs over and over again. The sluggard, right? Those that aren't working, those that 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 will not do the work of the Lord. In other words, basically, there's people that I know people right now that have been ordained. I know that they've been ordained. I know that there was work for them to do in the ministry. And I, I know that these people right now are, they have in the past anyway, I know people that, that have not done anything with that work or that calling of God or that work. They're waiting for, they're, they're, in their minds, they're waiting for the right church to call them or the right opportunity to do something or that, but they're not busy working, doing what they're supposed to be doing right there, Right? Well, the thing is, is that if you don't, if, if you were called to preach, if you're not preaching now, you ain't going to preach when you're called <laughs> or when, if you had a church or anything else, you're not going to do it then either. Right. That's just the way it is. That's that God uses men that are busy. Paul and Barnabas, they started the church and, and they seen it grow strong and there were many workers there, but they didn't retire. They didn't slack off. They didn't quit. They didn't quit serving God. Right? They kept going. So anyway, there's some importance there. Another thing that we notice is they were fervent and passionate in the Lord's work. They had fire. They had passion. They had zeal. Right? Fasting is an evidence of that, uh, of their zealous Christian service. You know, there's some times that, 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 uh, that we need to fast. There's some times that we need to do that that we need to get a hold of God and we need to get our hearts right and we need to withhold some things from ourselves to focus on the Lord and to focus on the ministry and to get our heads and our hearts right, whatever that may be, right? And by the way, that doesn't always have to be a complete 100% fast of everything. It can be fasting of things that you might want, that you're withholding from yourself in order to pray, spend that time praying and getting a hold of God. Amen. You know, we live in an age where it's easy to indulge. But it do you ever get the impression that it's not as easy for us to deny ourselves in this age? We live in such a pampered age, right? A pampered time that we we don't want to ever deny ourselves or say no to ourselves. Well, these men were very zealous for the Lord. They were, and I think fasting is a is a good indication of that. They served God with all their hearts. And we ought to have a desire to pray and to fast. Now, I, I think that prayer is, is the number one key to it all. In, in that sense, God uses prayer and speaks of prayer more than he does fasting. I'm not minimizing fasting. I'm just saying prayer is one of the weapons that we find in our spiritual warfare in, in Ephesians chapter 6. So. Here's the thing. There ought to be some zeal to pray to God. If there isn't any zeal for you to pray to God, then it's because you're cold. You're cold. Amen. And the only way to get you heated back up is your Bible and prayer. That's it. And some afflictions can sometimes do that. You ever notice how afflictions will drive you to God's word and drive you to prayer? Right? Haven't you ever heard of atheists calling out to God when the plane's about to crash? Wait a minute. <laughs> right? 
How's that work? I don't know, but I'll tell you something. When that plane's going down, they call out to a god, don't they? That's how it works. But I'll tell you something. With God's people, there ought to be a fervent desire to pray. And I thank God last week we had a, you know, we were all together. And I, I think some churches, the way they make their design for prayer is probably makes things a little more difficult. I think it's good that we take a Sunday afternoon and we pray. I think it's wonderful because we're all here. Amen. We're all here. And I know pretty much most people in most churches on Sunday, they stay for an hour. They skate out and don't talk to anybody. They skate out the door. (laughs) They skate back in at a night service. They leave again and they don't know anybody. Right. Amen. You got to learn to love each other, don't you? You learn it. You learn it. Why what? By being together. That's how you learn to love one another. (laughs) That's how you learn. That's right. It is a miracle. That's right. But I thank God that I don't have to look around and be like, man, I wonder if anybody's going to want to pray today. Right? Right. And I wonder if they're going to, you know, it it shouldn't be that way. You should all be praying with the churches together in that sense. Instead of make, you know, I, I think it's a blessing that we can do that. I think it's a blessing that we have that. You know, I think these men, it was important that these men could work in harmony with other men too. They could work with others. You know, that takes Christian love to work with other people. It really does. Turn to Romans chapter 12, please. It, it really does take Christian love to work with others. Why? Well, you got to learn not to get your own way all the time. That's, I mean, you learn that you're not going to get your way every time when you're dealing. You know, as, we, as we're a church and we come together, here's the thing. We all have differences of opinions and things like that. We, we all have some of those. I think for the most part, we agree doctrinally speaking, and there might be a, a few different things that we may uh, have a tinge of a disagreement on or something like that, but nothing to the point that would that would uh, cause any major conflicts or anything like that, right? Um, what's that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but not nothing that would make it make it a uh, a huge conflict or anything like that, right? But guess what? Some there's there are some of you that you have a certain way of doing things that you believe is absolutely right. And, I, and we're all like that in some ways, aren't we? But you know what? When we come together, there's some things that we have to sacrifice in order to love one another. You can't have it your way. I know at your house you do things a certain way all the time, and you get to do that there, right? But when we're together, we don't get to do that. We don't get to be that way, right? God teaches us to love one another. And these men, it, it requires that, and these men had that. Romans 12, verse number 10, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. See, they had that. They, they had that Christian love for one another. They were able to put down, you know, God teaches us that, <laughs> that people are going to differ with us on things. 
and and we're going to differ with one another sometimes on some things. But you know that doesn't have to be the main thing that we thrust or we talk about or we build up in our hearts or we got because you know what Satan just wants to use any little bit of difference that you have with one another to drive you away from one another. That's what he wants to do. He wants to use it to drive you away, to drive a wedge there. Make that thing bigger than everything. And that's all that you can see. But see, these men understood that they, they had Christian love. They could work with each other. They, they, and, it, and we have to. We have to have that. We have to learn to work with each other. We have to learn to get along with each other and love one another. Amen? It, that's right. Be patient. This requires also required spirituality rather than carnality. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul said, he said, for ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? What did he mean by that? Of course they walked as men. They were men. They weren't walking like monkeys, were they? Or they weren't, they weren't on their fists like Dave sometimes, but they weren't, they weren't like apes, right? They weren't doing that. What did that mean exactly, Dave? He meant they, were, they were, weren't walking in the spirit. They weren't. They weren't striving together one with another to love one another. What were they doing? Striving against each other. Yeah, they were just selfish and carnal. And they did not listen to one another. They did not love one another the way they should. What, how, does that, how, how do we fix that? It requires being Christ-centered rather than man-centered. See, this church cannot be, this church cannot be centered on me as a pastor. It can't be centered on somebody that wants to rise up and have the preeminence in the assembly, it has to and it must always be Christ-centered. It must be. You know what works is when we're able to deny ourselves and lift up Christ. It always, you will always, listen to me, I'm telling you something right now. In a marriage of a man and a wife, listen to me very closely. When you cannot get along, it is because you are man-centered and not Christ-centered in your relationship. Because when you are Christ-centered, when you are, then both of you learn to give all of yourself to each other for the sake of Christ. You know, my wife and I, we pray every night together, most of the time before we go to bed. Some nights, uh, you know, that doesn't happen, but most of the time it does happen before we go to bed. And the one thing that, that, that I pray for is God don't let anything get in between us. Let Christ be the focus of, of our marriage. Don't let anything, Lord, get in between our love for one another and our love for you and our duty to raise our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I sure wish people would see that, that your life is a lot bigger than that selfish thing you look at in the mirror every day. Amen. I wish you'd realize that it's worth, it's worth a lot more and it's more to God. It means more to God than what you're seeing in the mirror every day. When you bow down and worship yourself and think that this world owes you something and everybody else owes you something and they're just there to make you happy. It's a bunch of selfish nonsense is all it is. When there is, I don't believe a bit of it. When there's two people that, that name the name of Christ and, they say, and they're born again by the Spirit of God, if you came into me and you told me you were having marriage problems, I, I think I'd figure it out in about five minutes what it was. 
I don't think it needs three weeks of counseling. I don't think it needs much anything. I think what you'd figure out real quick is this. Both of you have an issue of not denying yourselves, putting the others before, and making Christ the center of your marriage. Because I'm going to tell you what. Do you know how simple my life is when this rules it? it? That don't mean I don't have any sorrow, any pain, any hurt feelings, that I don't have any, any afflictions. I don't, no, it means that I have the simple answer for it right here. It isn't any more complicated than that. It isn't, friend. You make it more complicated. You make it, you make it difficult. We make it difficult. When every relationship that I have is Christ-centered, whether it's the church, whether it's as a church member, you know, people that get out of line and they get off and they walk away and they, they leave the church and they take off and they don't want anything to do with it. You know what it is? They want their own way. They don't have patience. They're not exercising love. They can't wait to see. They can't, they can't talk things out. They can't do that. They're not reasoning together. Or somebody in the relationship isn't, whether it's the pastor or you or both of you. Amen? You're not reasoning together. You're not sitting down and willing to do that together. Look, look. All right. Now I'm going to meddle. Um, <laughs> here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing about it, okay? Some of you men are just too, too afraid to have a real conversation with your wife. That's really what it is. You're just a stinking coward, and you're afraid to have that conversation. I know. Some of you are going to get mad at me. I, I know. Look, look, listen to me. You're talking to a guy that knows what it's like to, to gulp. You know, do that before you have that conversation. You know, you, you know that? That uncomfortableness. I, I'm telling you what you're afraid of. You're afraid to bear your soul to your wife. That's really what it is. That's, that is exactly what it is. And I'll, I'll, I'll reverse it the other way around. As a wife, the same thing. You're afraid to bear your soul. You're afraid to, you're, you're afraid to be vulnerable for people that you love because you don't want to be hurt. That's what happens. And that's exactly what happens. But let me ask you a question. You're going to give your whole life and wonder what it was like not to give yourself to somebody before you die? Especially the one that you were all ready to? Think about that. Think about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. Man, this was supposed to be nice. I know. <laughs> what well, is nice? Nicest thing I can do is tell you the truth. I, I'm telling you because I understand it. Because I, I, I've communicated with people in their marriages before, and I'm also married. <laughs> so I understand. I know what it's like. I know what, when those hard conversations and things, but I'm going to tell you something. If you ever want to say, if you ever feel like your marriage is in any type of trouble or anything else, or you get the, or you get that little intuition from the Lord, God gives it to you and says, you know what? You better pay attention to this. Or you see little things flare up and little things happen. Don't ignore those little things. Those are sparks. What do sparks do in dry ground? What happens? They light a fire, don't they? Come on. That's what they do. They light a fire, and what do they do? They burn everything down. And I would much rather, by the way, this is not in my outline. If you think that I'm not, I, this is not anything to do with, well, it sort of is, but it isn't really. Right? 
It's it's not scripted. <laughs> I'm not very good at that. But listen to me. What I'm telling you is, is that you would be better off having that conversation, dealing with those things, laying them out and praying about them and getting right, getting those things right than you would letting them fester. I promise you, it's a lot worse to deal with when there's pus and poison all over the place. Wounds are a lot easier to treat when they're first there. But when you allow them to fester and get infected, it makes things a lot worse. Because sin added on to that infects it and makes it worse. I've seen it. And then what I've seen is people want to, they want to wait till everything, till, till everything's about ready to blow up and then say, I could use some help. After, after a lot of damage has been done. Don't do that. Amen. In any relationship, it doesn't matter if it's between the pastor and the church, it doesn't, it, in anyone, in any relationship that we have, right? We've learned the hard way, haven't we, that we got to talk things out. We don't let things fester. We just talk it out and get it over with. Amen. That's the most important thing to do. Amen. Let Christ settle it for you. We ought to agree that the scriptures settle everything. And by the way, if you're a husband, you ought to be able to take the Bible and show your wife, if she is wrong, where she's wrong. And as a wife, you ought to be able to reason with your husband. And you ought to let your wife reason with you. Amen. Man. Boy, it's quiet. It means you're listening. I like that. All you can hear is the pages turn in my Bible. (laughs) It also requires honesty. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 25. You're going to work with people. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. You know what it means? It means that we speak the truth face face to face with one another. Don't you dare. Don't you dare shake somebody's hand one minute and then stick them the next with somebody else. Don't do that. Don't do that. If there's a problem between you, then you go deal with it. Don't don't do that to each other. Don't don't do that. We're not to act like carnal men do in the world. They stab each other in the back all the time. That's just You can expect it. By the way, let me warn you, you should expect it. Because that's how it works with lost people. That's what they do. And I'm not being mean. I'm just telling you from experience, I was one. When my life was not ruled by this book, I would hit a midget in the back of the head with a brick if I had to to win. That's just the way it goes. Right? Winning. We're winning. I would have been with Trump. Trump! I'd have been there with him. <laughs> yes. Are you tired of winning yet? I'd, I'd, yes, it's costed trillions of dollars. We're tired of winning. Please stop winning. Please. Yes, please stop. But the point is, is that I, I understand that that's how lost people are, but that's not how we are. We don't, but let me tell you something. We don't get to act that way. And I say that like that in, in a sense for you to understand what I mean. 
you don't get to act that way. We have children here that we're trying to raise in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We don't get to act like fools. We don't get to treat each other poorly. We don't get to talk bad about each other. We don't get to stab, stab each other in the back. We don't, we don't know. That's not what we're training our children for. We're teaching them that we believe this book and that we live this book and that we will conduct ourselves. We will conduct ourselves by this book. Amen. My children don't have to wonder when dad goes home, is he going to be a different person than he is up on the pulpit? Is he going to, is he going to be different? Does he have a different standard that he holds himself to at home or, or not? Is, is it different or is it consistent with what this book? I hope that they would tell you that he is consistent wherever he is with that's what he believes. Like when I was on vacation and we, we went somewhere. I walked into a place, I looked around, and I said, well, we'll try to go to this place. Because sometimes I like to take them to do like bumper cars and different things like that and have fun with them. Well, you know what? I walked into that place, and they were blasting rock music, and it just was nasty. I, I just hated the whole spirit of it. It just, I, I said, you know, I, I could not, I can't, I can't be here, and neither can you. And I took my children, I said, I'm sorry. We'll go to a park somewhere. We'll go do something else, but. We can't go in there. Why? Because I believe what I preach, and we can't go in there. But that's a we can't do that. We just can't. We can't. Amen. God wants us to be consistent like that. God wants us to have honesty. He wants us to be the same people that we are face to face with one another. Amen. God wants, yeah, integrity. That's right. And have no guile. You know what it also requires? It requires mercy and forgiveness. You know, God wants us to be merciful one to another. Look what it says here in Ephesians 4.32. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Forgiveness. It requires mercy and forgiveness. Why? Well. Because I can promise you one thing. We are going to fail one another at times. Now, I don't believe that's anybody's motive. I don't believe any of us want to. But we are going to fail one another. As husband and wife, as, as father, as a mother, as a church member, as a pastor, we, we are going to fail one another. We're, we're, we just are. And we have to be ready to forgive one another. We have to look for opportunities to show mercy. Do you know that, that God wants you to look for opportunities to be merciful to others? Amen. That's, that's your Christian walk, by the way. That's, that's what God's called you to, to be merciful to, what, to, to others. And to look, look for opportunities to be kind and merciful to others. Amen. Isn't that what Christ did? Always looking to be kind and merciful. That's what he did to you the day he saved you. Right? Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. By the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. It is God's mercy. But God commendeth his love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, 
Christ died for us. Amen. While we were yet sinners, dead in our sins. He said, I walked by in Isaiah, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said, I walked, and Isaiah said, I walked by and I saw you polluted in your sins. And I looked at you and I said, live, live. That's the gospel. My friend, if you're lost and dead in your sins tonight, listen to me. Christ Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And he cries out to you, live, live. There's nothing greater than this Christian life. There's no no greater life to live than this Christian life. There is no life until you're saved. Then you learn the life and, and that more abundantly. That's the Christian life. You learn to live it. By mercy. You know, I can forgive people. I thought about some of my worst enemies out there that have done me so wrong. And Dave and I, we were talking about that the other day. And not, we weren't drudging up anything bad. We were talking about good things. But we, were, we, we had a good time, didn't we, Dave? It was like, I had you on the phone till what, 11 o'clock? I think it was late. Or Dave didn't get any sleep, but uh, kept him up all night. But uh, we, we had a good conversation on the phone the other night. And, and uh, we were talking about that. And I said, you know, uh, and I told my family this, because I've been forgiven, I, I know I could forgive them if they wanted it. If they wanted it, I could. I believe that. Right? And I believe the ability is not in me, but in Christ. When you've been forgiven much, you can forgive others. You can. God gives you the ability to forgive others. Hey, there's some wounds that are raw, and they take some time. And God's gracious with us because he understands that we're but dust. He knoweth our frame. He remembereth we are dust. God knows how we are, and he gives us time. Amen? He gives us time. He's very merciful to us. That's the God of the Bible. That's who he is. And that's what we are to do is to be merciful to others and be ready to forgive. You know, these... Do you, do you don't think there's any time that Paul didn't uh, Paul or Barnabas didn't offend each other on the road together? Oh man, I've been around enough of you to know that happens. Amen. We know it does, right? What they do, they they learn to forgive each other. They learn to show mercy. People are so misunderstood about they they don't understand what that means. That doesn't mean that I don't ever confront it. In fact, forgiveness comes when a situation is confronted. We deal with it, we talk it out, we pray it over, we ask for forgiveness, and then we move on. You know that's how it's supposed to be. That's how it is when you're raising your children. It's supposed to be that way. They do something wrong, they're punished for that. You show them their error, you 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 give them instruction in righteousness, you teach them the truth, and then you restore the fellowship with them at that point. Amen. That's how you teach your children. That's how we're to treat one another. It required, it required uh, mercy and forgiveness. You know, it also requires humility. Being humble. You know, we don't really come in this, in this, uh, in the natural man. We, we really don't, we really don't come with humility. We come with pride. We, we have a lot of pride. Yep. Paul said, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. 
right? Let each esteem other better than themselves. I'm not talking about a wolfish or a false humility. I'm just saying, you know, it's if you have a sober assessment of yourself and who you are, then what's going to happen is the way you treat others is going to be under the guise of yourself of, of of who you are. Remember when Jesus talked about the beam in your own eye and that what was it? The beam, help me out. The moat, the moat and the beam, right? Well, if I see the proper perspective there. My goodness, I, I, I don't look at my brother's sins as being greater than mine, right? I think about what I have and what I've been forgiven of and how gracious God is to me, amen? And I had to learn that through, <laughs> you learn that through serving the Lord and, and being humbled. You learn humility. God blesses men and women that humble themselves, that walk in humility. He blesses them. He gives them grace if they'll walk in humility. You know, and I've seen it. I've watched it. I've watched God give grace and strength to people that are humbled. And they're humbled by what God has done to them. Uh, You know, Job, the hand of the Lord had touched him, right? Have pity on me. Oh, you, my friends, have pity on me. Right. And Jeremiah was another one. You know, and and God was merciful to them because they walked in humility. God is attracted to humility. He absolutely is. He hates pride. He wars against pride. God. Remember that sermon, James, chapter four. God wars against your pride. If not, go listen to it. You'll you'll probably want to stop. (laughs) But uh, God, but God does. He wars against our pride, but he's attracted to humility. Why? Because it reminds him of Christ. (laughs) And Christ is the only one that pleases God. Amen. And all that we do is in Christ that pleases God. Amen. Everything that we do as a Christian, as somebody who's been born again, is covered by Christ's sacrifice. You understand that? So while you're operating inside of here, you're operating inside of Christ. You see how that works? That's that's how it is, and that's how we're approved. You don't, you know, God is not like the Father that you could never please. You understand that? God is not like the father or the mother or the person that you could never please. That's not who God is. He's already pleased if you're in Christ. Right? You don't have to earn being a son. You're already a son. You don't have a slavish fear. No, you're already a son. You're already well pleased in the Father's eyes. Now then, walk in Christ. If you walk in the flesh, of course, God will deal with you. But as a son whom he chastens. God will not let you get away with sin. He won't let his children get away with it. Amen. He humbles them. You know, there were some characteristics of their missionary call. You know, this always takes longer than I think it's going to, but anyway, it's okay. Amen. They, they, there's, some, there's some characteristics of their missionary call. 
Their call was very personal and specific. That's how God works. You know, there's a general call to service for every believer. If you're saved, hey, I got news for you. You're drafted in the army already. If you got saved by the grace of God, you're in the army already. Amen? You may not know what part of the, where you're going to do your most battle and what specific part. Like, Brother Paul, there's different positions, right, in the military. There was different, different positions, right? But you were all, once you were enlisted, you're in there, and then it's determined, like, it'll be determined where you're going to be, or you try to find out where you're going to be, or pick, pick that out. I don't know how that works, but something like that. Like, my uh, brother-in-law is in the Navy, and he, he wanted to be a gunner's mate, right? So that's, that's what he did. That's right. They're, they have a placement there. Well, I don't know where you're going to be placed at in God's army. I just know that if you're saved by the grace of Almighty God, if you've repented and put your faith and trust in Christ, you are in the army already. And I, I, I uh, preached or preached, taught, whatever you want to call it. I don't know what people call it, what I do online anyway. But uh, on Monday, I preached on being a soldier that doesn't battle. And uh, you can't sit on the sidelines. You've got to be warring. We're in the, you're in the war no matter what. But if you sit down, you're going to get a pumbling. Amen. You just can't do that. So there's a general call like that, but there's also a specific call. I see that in this ministry here. Been like, let's, let's use, for example, like Brother Ryan. Brother Ryan's not a preacher. He's not one to stand up and preach. And to speak loud. And I've never said that. I, I think every man in this church should be a part of our ministry, of our evangelistic ministry. What do I mean by that? I mean, they ought to go out with us. I mean, they ought to be with us. Do I think that every man has to preach? No, I do not. I don't. I think they will preach. Sometimes they're handing out tracts and they're preaching to people while they're standing there. But not every man is going to be like Brother Paul and lift up their voice like a trumpet and shake skyscrapers that's not that's that's not that's literally i remember that day it was weird but (laughs) i i actually have it on tape i left it i think it's on my phone somewhere but anyway but 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 uh not every man's going to be like that but all of us should be a part of it but look what part and brother ryan i remember years ago He's not here, so I'll pick on him a little bit. But I remember years ago him telling his wife and him wondering, you know, what part of the ministry does God have for me? I remember that. And then God dealt with his heart about right. And I talked about, and I think Andrew talked about writing tracks. Or first it might have been printing tracks, I think it was. And he took over the printing ministry for the tracks. And then after that, it was like God had led him to start writing tracks. And he's written like four or five or six different tracks. And thousands of them have went out. He wrote our Jesse James Day tracks and our State Fair tracks and the other ones and all those other ones. And I'm talking last year, 17,000 at two events went out. Amen? God used him for that. But you know what? Brian's not going to get up and he's not going to start screaming and hollering and doing that. He's not going to, but there's nothing wrong with that. Because God called him for a specific reason. That's right. That's right. And Zach's brother got one of those tracks and Zach's brother all the way out in New Hampshire. Zach dropped the track somewhere. I think he left it in the bathroom. I don't know where he left it at. Somewhere in his car. I think it might even fell out of his pocket. I don't know if he left it there on purpose. Zach's brother reads the track. Zach's brother gets saved. Zach's brother's serving God in that church there. The whole family's got had revival. The whole family's back in church out there. Zach's getting married. 
Amen. Amen. Right? That's God. Not everybody is going to do the same thing. That's right. That's right. Amen. It's not just speech. No, it's for everything. It's for everything. Press as well, because if you can't hand out, they know that the quickest way to get information out to people, that's if you stop the information. Be careful about all this this uh, fake news and all this stuff that's going around about Trump trying to press on the press, because if you start doing that, then it's going to affect us too. That's how that works. Nope. Don't buy into the hype. Telling you, Christians are smarter. We just sit back and we look at it. We think, no, you're all wicked. We know what you're doing. We know your game. We know what you're doing. You're trying to stop. You're trying to stop us. That's see, we understand that in the end, it's all about Jesus. They still hate him. They still want to stop him. And that's what it's always about. If they ever make any laws about Muslims and about all, it's not about them. It's for us. You remember that this book is the only enemy to all of them. Exactly. And do their crazy prayer call. But anyway, um, the point is that you look at brother Ryan, you look at his situation, you look at, you look at how God used that and him in that look at brother Andrew with, with music, with the music ministry and other things that he's done. Brother Lee and brother Dave serving in different areas, helping other people in the church with different things. Brother Paul in the ministry, definitely without a doubt, we understand that, that God's led him in evan- in public evangelism. Absolutely. I, without a doubt. Amen. I know that. I can see it. I can see others that God uses for different things. It's just like this. You know, I'm definitely not a song leader. And I know that. Well, Dave's gone. Dave was gone. So, uh, Andrew was gone. I know Joshua's got a big old bellowing voice. I said, all right, Joshua, you're up. You've just been called to the ministry. <laughs> Amen. Right? That's how it works. Right? Brother Luke's gifted in computers and working with things like that. See, God gives me, and don't tell me that's not of God, because I believe it is. When I look all through this book from Genesis all the way to Revelation, I see that God equips men by the Spirit to do things. Your gifts and talents, God uses. He uses them. They're there for a reason. He's given them for a reason. Amen. He gets the glory. That's right. And there's others of you that God has touched in and led in different ways. Some have the, 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 the gift of giving. Right? That's a gift too, by the way. Amen. A lot of those things, gifts and callings, we could talk about all night. But you know what? This call was unmistakable. God's called a specific ministry, such as pastoring. Now, listen, let me, let me caution you on something. I really don't like the term missionary. It's highly Catholic, and I, I really don't like it. I, I, I get the point. I mean, you know, Isaac McCoy, others say it. I get the point of a mission and all that. I, I get it. I, I know they didn't mean anything evil by it. But I look at the way that it's been done and, and what's been done with it, and I don't like it because really what does it come down to? church planting. Everything that a church does is church planting. Now, some are involved in the evangelism of church planting. Amen? 
Some are involved in the evangelism of church planting, but they're part of that work of church planting. Because we're to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing them, right? Discipling them, organizing churches. That's that's it. I don't care if it's here or Africa. It doesn't matter where it is. It's the same thing. That's what the Apostle Paul was involved with was church planting. Anytime there was a real revival, it was church planting. Hey, I love the fact that... Um, uh, Jonathan Edwards and, and George Whitfield started the gospel ministry of preaching open air and, and really pushed that, and they got saved. But you know what I love even better? Men like Shubal Stearns that, that had a 1,000 or more churches started from Sandy Creek. <laughs> Why? Because that's the way. Because some of the critique of the Great Awakening was this. They didn't have any churches to go to, and a lot of those people fell off. But the Baptists organized churches all over. Why? Why did the Baptists do that? Because of their theology. Your theology matters, friend. It matters what you believe about God, what you believe about that book. See, and it matters what you believe about baptism. It matters. Amen. Because you tried it. What's that? That's right. The chickens became ducks. That's right. And he wasn't too happy about that, was he? But God was. He prayed for a John to come out of the wilderness. Right? It happened. He prayed for it. God did it. Amen. But this call was unmistakable. I believe it is. Now, you know, the call was recognized by others as well. I think it's not enough for a man to have a desire. There there needs to be more than that. There needs to be the church must recognize that. Now, a church that's walking in the spirit is going to recognize that. A church that's that loves the Great Commission, that wants to see souls saved, lives change, and churches established. Man, I'll tell you what, I was driving, I'm going to tell you what, I was driving through Mankato, and I was thinking, I know there's one church down there, right, pretty much? Just about one. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Well, anyway, there, there won't be one like ours, but, <laughs> but, uh, but I was, and I'm not exalting, I'm just telling you, there just won't be. There's one similar. There's a fundamental Baptist one, but I don't know. Anyway, I just know that big town and that big area down there. Man, that's a nice town. It's a nice town. And just thinking about that, there's t- that's, that's a great location to see a church planted there. That is an absolute great location. College town, never a shortage on people to preach to. It's a good spot. It's a good spot. Amen. So it's it's definitely, you know, it's definitely something that in the future we ought to pray about. It's a good distance. It's a good it's a good section from there that leads down out like where Scott goes and all that area. I mean, there's I don't know, just nice nice place to drive through. A lot of little towns from there until from from here until you get there. Amen. But you know, it's not enough that a man is is convinced that he is called to do a special work. The call should be recognized by others who know him, by his own congregation. You know, it's us, you know, I I will not, as far as I'm concerned, I have no desire to ever call other men to come in and ordain anyone. I believe this church, we the men of this church as a church we ordain 
and send out our own people. Amen? But I believe we reproduce that church. If there's going to be some reproduction, guess what? You're all involved with it. Amen? And it'll be done a whole lot different this time. Amen. It'll be done a whole lot different. Absolutely. Amen. So, that's right. God teaches us many good lessons. The call was by the Holy Spirit. I think this is so important, and we're not going to touch a lot on this today. Just the reason why is because we're going to run out of time, but I, I want to talk about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And then I I said we we're going to talk about ordination. We haven't even got there yet, and we're about out of time. So, uh Anyway, we'll we'll probably get there next week, I'm guessing, and maybe we'll, then the week after that, we'll talk about the Holy Spirit and his ministry. We'll see. We'll see how that goes, or we'll do it vice versa. Who knows? We'll figure it out. But The call was by the Holy Spirit. These men were not called by the church. They were called by the Spirit of God first, and the church recognized that. Amen? He is the Lord of the harvest. God gives leaders to churches. But they, have to, they must be careful not to usurp the place of the Holy Spirit in God's work. Listen, you know, let me tell you something. I have pastored here for about 13 years now. Obviously, yeah, 13. We just had our 13th anniversary. And there have been different men that had told me they were called the pastor. They believed that they were. And I've learned a lot in that 13 years. And what's what's that? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's right. And it's, we've seen, and they, they thought that they were where they want to be. And they, and they pushed it. And the sad thing is, is that I, that I allowed it. That's the sad thing. And I say that because I allowed it by being under pressure. You know what I mean? And being young. And being under pressure and in somewhat being taken advantage of. But whatever, I'm not making excuses. I'm just telling you I've learned some lessons about that, right? And that same scenario will not happen again. Because we will know as a church... And I also believe that God wants to raise up, is raising up men that are saved in this ministry, called in this, called in this ministry, and men that we will examine, right? Men that we will go out and work with, men that will go out that we will help and we will reproduce that church. And then when God tells us, when, we're, when, when God shows us as a church, okay, they're ready. It's ready. Amen? then we'll vote to separate that church. Amen? And it'll be uh, its own body there. Absolutely. And, you know, men may desire a lot of things, but it's God that reveals. It's God that reveals that. It's God. It's God's call that reveals. And he does reveal it. Unfortunately, if we don't pay attention <laughs> or we act on just what we know, right, then we might miss some things along the way. 
But rest assured of this, there won't be a man that God has truly called and prepared for that for a ministry like that. God won't allow us to miss that. I firmly believe that the church that I was in, <laughs> in the sending church. I remember the pastor told me that basically God told him to ordain me. <laughs> you know, that God told told him, you know. And because he prayed for someone to come here to Northfield. And that's what God did. Amen. But he that's any but by the way, I really believed that churches start churches. And I'm going to tell you something. The way that we were started was a biblical way in that sense. This church was started by a New Testament church. A New Testament, a Baptist church, right? That's the way God intended it to be. And that's the way that it will be when we birth other works and see that work. That's the same way that it'll be. Amen? And what's that? Absolutely, he tested the surrender to that. That's true. That's right. That was tested for a year. And you know what? It'll be tested for every man because God has a different test for them. And it'll be there. Right? Right now, Brother Jacob's test is his son. So he's. Oh, yeah, I know. Anyway, you pray for Brother Jacob. He believes God has called him into that, into the ministry, and, and uh, to pastor one day. And you pray for him. Amen. You continue to pray for him and, and, and Carly and. and uh, Amen. We don't know what God's going to do, how he's going to do it. We're just going to be faithful and continue serving him and, and keep our hearts ready to hear the work of, hear the Holy Ghost uh, in his leading, you know, as he leads us with the word of God and he leads us through different circumstances and different things, right? That he shows us exactly what his will is. Amen. So anyway, I think we'll stop right there for tonight because uh, I'm not going to get to ordination, but uh, we just finished up with God's call there. So uh, I hope that makes sense to you. I, I hope that it does. And uh, I thank God for it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all that you do for us. We thank you for your word. Thank you that it's so plain and simple, Lord. You make it so simple for us. We don't have to look at the Bible as saved people, and we're not confused by it. We understand what it means because we have the Spirit of God. But, Lord, there be one or two here that are lost. They look at the Bible, and they don't understand it. They don't have the illumination from the Holy Ghost. They don't have the Spirit of God within them to teach them. And, Lord, I just pray that you would save this sinner nearest hell, that you would work on hearts, and, Lord, that you would revive the backslider, you would strengthen your people. And, Lord, that you would help us as we look forward to the future of all that you have for us as we train our children up and we train men up in the ministry and we, Lord, have that desire to plant churches and to see more churches because we know the answer to America's woe is more churches being planted and the gospel being preached all over the world. Dear God, please, maybe you use us for that. Thank you, Lord, for all you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.